Hello everyone and welcome to episode 29 of Tversky Tuesdays. We are starting page 81, chapter 10, the ability to have perspective. Just a little bit of a forewarning over here. Here in the Northeast, for some reason, is a very, very windy day. Most of the day today. And thank God everything is okay. There's no damage happening, at least as far as I know, too where I live, in any in any of the neighborhoods, everyone still has electricity, unlike people, unfortunately, down in Texas that are still without power, and hopefully everything gets back to normal soon. But there are very strong winds, if you can hear it now a little bit. So throughout this recording, I will try to speak a little bit louder just so that it will help drown out the sound, but there's really very little I can do to stop the wind from blowing. But anyway... Last episode, we were talking about the concept of giving back and having a spiritual experience through having empathy and having an understanding of a situation. And we said over that amazing story of that, of that owner of that mill, um, Mr. Furestein, that after his mill burnt down before the holiday season, gave full benefits and pay to all of his workers for at least a month, so they would be able to reopen the mill. And people, through realizing what was happening around the world, remember this is in the days before raise and charity and stuff like that, people gave so many things between toys for the children, frozen turkeys, and even tickets to the Nutcracker Suite in in Boston. That's considered a spiritual person. And anyone that's going to be giving money to an organization or just to people and they don't even know who they are and they've never even been to Massachusetts that is a, a real spiritual person and it's compassion is really contagious is the way we ended off so starting over here chapter 10 we are on page 81 working our way through this book over here shortly after my son's marriage the newlyweds visited us for a weekend when they were Preparing to return home, they could not find their return flight tickets. They went through all their suitcases and every piece of clothing. We conducted a thorough search in all the rooms, but to no avail. The tickets had somehow disappeared. This was a a calamity. The advanced purchase fee for the weekend trip had been low, but the price for two same-day tickets was an astronomical sum and a very high expense for a young couple. And I think we can all relate to this in some way, whether it's Misplacing our keys, or even a bigger deal, misplacing our phone and not knowing what the re- repercussions can be from that. And think about this is taking place in a time, no, not that long ago, but this was before smartphones and before apps that we can just, oh, think it's here anyway, type thing. To say that they were extremely aggravated was a gross understatement. 21 years later, as my son had escorted his oldest child to the wedding, to his wedding, I asked him, do you remember those lost tickets? Was it really the, the catastrophe you made, it out to be, you made it out to be? He smiled. I'm thinking of situations I remember when I was engaged and things that were such a big deal. And being married now for almost 14 years, you look into it and you're like, that really wasn't a big deal. Because you have a different perspective of how things are. We may not be able to foresee the future, but we can recognize that what seems to be mountains at a, at, in the present 
might be Moel's in, re- in, in retrospect. It's such a great outlook of, of, thinking about, of thinking about it. That even though we cannot see the future, but certain things that are complete uphill battles right now are little tiny molehills in the future. We may be able to recall experiences that may seem dreadful at the time they occurred, but put it put into perspective, they turned out to be insignificant or even blessings in disguise, in, in disguise. The ability, excuse me, the ability to have perspective, to see things as they really were, or to see things as they might be, is one of the unique spiritual traits that we humans have. We have review, we can review the past, think about consequences of our actions, and contemplate the future. When we go about so many different situations, when we think about, oh, I could have done this better, could have done things um, maybe different that have, would have had a different outcome, I think something that we do, some people more than others, some people even daily, constantly. I sort of have a perspective of thinking about it, and something that I talk about in my therapy room, where we say, what are we doing today that we can be better at or better for tomorrow? And what can we learn from yesterday that can make us better today? So we always have that perspective of knowing that, okay, things happened, but now let's learn from it. Um, DBT therapy, one of the things that I practice, you know, talks about the concept of there's no such thing as a mistake. Because everything is a learned experience, which in a way is what Dr. Torsky is talking about as a perspective. But I like to say it, and I'm also using a, a quote from a patient of mine, that it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. Because then there's no perspective. I think it's a very good line. I think something that is something that we're able to, to constantly see, that, yeah, I could have done things different. Okay, so are you going to do things different next time? I know there's a little bit of a short little piece over there, so I think we're going to continue the next piece on page 82, Perspective of the Future. And hopefully this is something that we will be able to learn and grow with together today as well. While animals may instinctively store food for the future, as do squirrels, who hoard food for the winter, it is unlikely that animals can contemplate the future, plan for it, and think about the future consequences of their actions. Serious consideration for the future, particularly the consequences of our actions, is a spiritual human trait. And maybe we could even go as far as to say it's something that only applies to humans, of being able to, quote-unquote, see into the future. A classic example is this of this is... is Addicts who are fully aware that their addiction may be harmful. Now, I know this is something that is could be considered offensive because he uses a word of addictions or slash addicts, which, at least from, from so, some trainings that I've been involved in as a addictions therapist, I've seen that people don't like that word. It's a substance abuser or user or depend or someone that dependence has a dependent nature on that drug of choice. But I do agree that this could be helpful to the right person and hopefully something that through them realizing that I am an addict can be beneficial to how to go about it in the future. So going back over here, they though they love life and want to have a healthy future, they are essentially willing to risk everything for the transient 
present sensation of their addiction. I would even go as far as to say something that we were talking about earlier in this book, of the concept of justifying. We justify the situation to make it that, oh, really, I'm doing the right thing. Why do we do that? Because really we know what's right and wrong. And by us trying to put ourselves in a, in a position to justify it, we're saying that it's okay. I think the story that always stands out to me, I remember when I was an intern and um, co-running a addictions group, there was someone there that said that they knew they were at a low point when Christmas Eve, they broke their own window in their dining room so that they can try to explain later on when all the Christmas presents from under the tree was pawned off so they could get one hit. And everyone realized that's complete BS because you can see that the hole had nothing, no person could get inside that hole. And his kids took a very long time, but it wasn't until he realized how silly and unjustified it actually was. But in, the, in that situation, he thought he was justifying his breaking the window. And he lost a lot more than just glass there. He lost his family for a long time. Thank God that's one of those cases that ended up turning out well. But that story is always something that stuck with me regarding the concept of trying to justify doing something in that specific, specific situation. This is classic behavior of compulsive gamblers or addicts who live for the pleasure of the moment, not considering their consequences. But many characteristics of addiction can be found in non-addicts, only in a, in a more subtle form. When we have a strong desire for something, we may ignore the consequences by satisfying that desire. Let's say like you know, having that second piece of cake, or pressing the snooze button when you have a plane to catch or a meeting to attend. Even after, those are my own words, that's not something that Dr. Torsky wrote. But going back to the book, even after experiencing the negative effects of a, of a particular behavior, we may still repeat the behavior with total disregard for logical thinking. It has been said, for good reason, that insanity is repeating the same act but expecting different results. I've heard the quote from Albert Einstein, but I'm sure this has been said so many different ways. But that concept is so there all the time. Collectively, we are grossly not able to see a situation in this aspect of humanity, sometimes behaving as if there was no future, for example, in our treatment of the planet. We destroy the forest, pollute the air and water, and exhaust resources of energy as though they are infinite. We respect the knowledge of scientists, and although we may, we may not doubt the validity of their predictions, we ignore the phenomena of global warming and the rarefaction of the unzone la la layer. I'm sorry, rear, the rarefaction of the ozone layer and how that's dwindling and getting smaller and smaller. The, uh, the psychological defense of denial may be partially responsible. I was once invited to participate in teaching a course for people between the ages of 40 and 45 to help them plan for their future retirement. We plan to cover financial, physical health, and psychological considerations. I apologize about that wind. We felt this age group was the ideal audience. The course was well publicized and the program planners were certain that there would be standing room only attendance. They were shocked and disappointed that the attendance was meager. Squirrels are blessed with an instinct that makes them hoard for the winter. We humans, on the other hand, have to use our intellect to compensate for the absence of instinct. We have to exercise contemplation of our future if we are to be self-fulfilled and happy. 
that anticipation for a better future motivates many people. For example, many get through the work week because they look forward to the weekend. Others look forward to vacation as a salvation of their lives. Now, I think of the story um, a mentor of mine was uh, in hospital getting procedures for uh, something that was going on with the stomach. And one of the nurses were talking uh, to the other one and saying, yeah, I just got back from the vacation. The, the water couldn't have been bluer and the sand couldn't have been whiter. And just talking like she had such a great time, but she sounded so depressed when she was saying it. Finally, at the end of her giving it over, says uh, this rabbi that she says, oh, I can't wait to go back. It's only another six months that I have to survive here in order to go back to my next vacation. And I remember him saying the story, and I remember hearing it, but he said it as well. It's so unfortunate that here's this, here's this person that is living life for the vacation and not living life for that specific situation. But anyway, that's what I think of when I, when I think of uh, what Dr. Torsk is writing over here. But here he continues, yet... With all this emphasis in the future, people may fail to give adequate thought to the future consequences of their actions. I once, I once attended a scientific convention where the speaker bewailed the research that is multi-generational, where the research would not be known in the researcher's life. When researchers cannot possibly know the results of their work, they hesitate to commit to the future. Because of this, some important research has never materialized. I think one of the one of the one of the famous stories are uh, some stuff that was done on people in like the nineteen twenties and thirties, uh, and some research I think it was done by Harvard on on happiness and what makes someone happy and how relationships and quality of relationships is so important to how long a person can live on this earth. And you think about when that st- when that study started, the researchers that was doing that, that were doing this in the twenties and thirties, how old were they? And were they alive when the study actually came out? But yet they were so dedicated to what they did, they had no problem starting on this research. And I think that's what he's saying over here, that if you don't have an end goal, the motivation to continue for what you're doing right now sometimes can be very hard. While the desire to know the results of a study are understandable, it is nevertheless self-centered. Exercising the commitment to the future is truly spiritual. Because contemplation of the future is a component of the spirit, failure to plan for the future is a symptom of spiritual deficiency syndrome. How many people do you know who have talked about what they will do after the kids go off to college, or after we move into the new house, or after I get this job, or after I retire? One of the hazards of expecting happiness is the future is not only what we miss out on happiness today, but that we may also paradoxically be denying ourselves of happiness in the future. Because it's sort of like, that's it, this is, this is what it's like. When we're not able to have a perspective of the current situation that we're in, how can we expect the future will be any better? Take the issue of retirement. Thanks to the remarkable advances of medical science, the average life expectancy in the United States has increased dramatically from the age of 40 prior to 1940 to 80 in 2007. More people are now living many years after they retire from work. Some people have financial security, but relatively few people plan adequately for how they will spend their time. Some people assume that once they do not have to punch a time clock, they will be free to do many things they cannot do during their working years, play golf, go fishing to their heart's content, or travel around the world. Some people may realize their dreams, 
but there may be others who may suffer from the wear and tear disease of advanced age, uh, of, of advanced age. And these conditions may restrict them from doing all the things that they had hoped to do. They are then left with the burden of time weighing heavily on their hands. Failure to exercise the spiritual trait of contemplating the future may have deprived them of the happiness to which they have looked forward to. And I don't know if this is what he's going to be getting to as we continue here of the perspective of the past is the next thing, but we're going to stop here for now reading. But overall, the concept of what we're ta- he's talking about here is if you don't plan properly for the, for the future, there could be a SDS, heavy SDS that can come into play of just not being able to enjoy the future. But I believe there is an aspect of that of the now as well that has to be talked about. But maybe there's something that we'll, concede, we'll, we'll see hopefully next time on the perspective of the past. Thank you so much for listening in on this podcast. I really appreciate everyone that sends in questions, support, comments, critiques. The concept of being able to uh, give something over to other people and have other people want to hear what you will, what you say, as we have uh, recently reached um, a large number of four-digit downloads. I'm not going to go into uh, into specifics, but... It's pretty cool to me and pretty amazing and humbling. And guess what is my motivating factor to, to continue doing this, knowing that there are people out there that are listening to this. So I, I appreciate all the comments, and I hope together we'll be able to get back to everyone. But sometimes it gets a little bit difficult. That being said, um, please reach out to me at koshercounseling at gmail.com. I hope to be in touch soon.